0: Coming up on the Fighter podcast, how COVID-19 is affecting people with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases, and also an interview with Fighter Chastaposi of South Carolina as we enter Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, April 2020.
1: Um, I am completely blind in my right eye, um, and with my glasses, I have 2040 vision in my left eye. And, and that, that's sarcoidosis. That is
0: how to know if you are at risk of COVID-19 and its complications, and the sad story of the terrible, debilitating facts of sarcoidosis.
1: This is the Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin.
0: Hello and welcome to the Sark Fighter podcast. I'm your host John Carlin. I call myself the Sark Fighter and uh, we are all Sark Fighters but that's what this podcast is all about. Now this is episode five. Today I'll be talking with Chasta Posey about her battle with sarcoidosis. It took her from a young active honor student in high school and an athlete to her current state including blindness, and a much different life outcome. I don't want to say too much. I'll I'll let her share those aspects of her story as as we talk about her life with sarcoidosis coming up. Of course, right now we are in the middle of the uh battle, the nationwide battle with COVID-19. And I'll be talking a little bit about that as well in this podcast before I get to my talk with Chasta. If you're new to the podcast, well, this is the Fighter podcast, episode five. I'm hoping that this becomes a place where Uh, sarcoidosis patients and other rare disease patients can gather I do have sarcoidosis I have it on my spinal cord I went public with this story on uh, WSLS 10 the television station where I've been a news anchor for many many years uh, dating back essentially to 1987 And uh, once I did that, people started reaching out to me and saying thank you. Uh, People said they felt like they were alone. People, sarc fighters, sarcoidosis patients, felt like they were alone. They didn't know anybody else who had it. Uh, They were glad somebody was talking about it. And so I decided to talk about it even more, and that's what we're doing here today. Uh, I also uh, discovered the foundation for sarcoidosis research. Maybe maybe I could say we discovered each other, um, but I would say they're doing way more for me than I am for them. I became an advocate for the organization earlier this year, and I've talked to a lot of people. In fact, that's where I met Chasta, and that's, uh, that's where I interviewed her. Of course, um, April is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, Normally, this podcast is released every other Monday, but in honor and celebration of Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, we'll be doing a podcast every single Monday in the month of April here in 2020, So, and every one of these will feature a a sarcoidosis story, a patient story, people willing to share uh, what they are going through in their battle with sarcoidosis. Uh, Typically, one of the regular uh, portions of this podcast is we look at the sarcoidosis calendar, right? And uh, of course, in April, there were walks planned, there were conferences planned, there's all sorts of things, uh, but it's all been put on hold because of the COVID-19 crisis, and I can't imagine any large gatherings still going on. Uh, As far as I know, as of this date, as of this recording date, which is April 1st of 2020 uh, the FSR summits in Miami for June 26th and the 28th through the 28th, and the Portland September 11th through the 13th are still on. That obviously could change depending upon the course of COVID-19. Uh, Frank Rivera is a sarcoidosis patient from Long Island. I interviewed him in episode three. He does host a virtual support group online through his website at sarcoidosisoflongisland.org, and there will be a link for that in the show notes. and uh, uh, that is something that, uh, as long as Frank is still up and able, and his health has been troubling him a little bit of late, uh, but as long as he's willing to keep hosting it, at least uh, I guess he was one of the people who was aware of Zoom meetings <laughs> and go to meeting meetings long before the rest of us were. It's become almost everyday life now for a lot of us. Uh, but at any rate, he does host those virtual meetings where people can get together and talk about sarcoidosis and and how they're handling it, and uh, I would recommend that you still check that out. Again, there will be a link in the show notes. Um, Also, I would ask you to watch the Sark Fighter Facebook page for updates and uh, information on various events. And, please, of course, please stop by and like the page, share your stories, your photos, your comments, and uh, let's let's make that another gathering place. Now, as I'm recording today, we are still seeing the curve go up on COVID-19. We have not seen the worst of it yet. The cases are are climbing. The president is still having his daily briefings. New York City is looking like a war zone. Uh, they just announced yesterday that the U.S. Open Tennis Facility is being converted into a makeshift hospital. 350 beds there. CNN just posted a a good article on that. We actually had it on our local news here in Roanoke, Virginia yesterday. It was one of the things we covered in the 11 o'clock news last night. I'll I'll drop a link to that, uh, to the uh, CNN article in the show notes as well. So the question about COVID-19 is how does it affect all of us with sarcoidosis because sarc obviously is an autoimmune illness so most of us are being treated with some kind of a medicine that suppresses our immune systems because by the very nature of this disease uh, our immune systems are overactive so it just stands to reason that we may be more at risk of getting COVID-19, although obviously it doesn't seem to have any trouble attacking perfectly healthy people, Uh, but I do, you know, I take Humira and methotrexate, uh, which are uh, common drugs to a lot of you, and they are uh, immunosuppressants, so um, I do consider myself to be at slightly higher risk. I say that telling you that I'm still going to work every day, uh, working in the television newsroom where we are taking great precautions. Uh, but but I'm still working from the newsroom. I'm not one of these anchors right now who is broadcasting from home. An FSR, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, does have a video on its website. It's from uh, Dr. Peter Sporn of Northwestern Medicine in Chicago, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. I also did just post it on the Sarc Fighter Facebook page. But basically, in this, it's only about a six-minute video. Uh, Dr. Sporn says at this point, he doesn't know if sarcoidosis patients are any more or less likely to be infected than the rest of the population based upon any data. There just just simply isn't any data on that. Um, But obviously, if you're immune suppressed, that's, that's going to make a difference. But he did say that heart or lung patients will be at greater risk of complications if you obviously do get this disease. So sarcoidosis affects primarily people who have lung issues. COVID-19 attacks the lungs, and so that it just stands to reason that that is going to be uh, something that is, that is more serious. Uh, I'm not able to, to go beyond that, and, uh, and the doctor didn't. In his uh, in his little uh, webcast, um, the in within the course of his six minutes, uh, but it just makes common sense to me, especially if you have a lung issue and then you have a disease that attacks the lungs on top of that, that that you're going to have a much greater risk of serious complications. And he also mentioned specifically heart patients as well, sarcoidosis heart patients. Uh, So then he addressed the issue of, well, if you're taking prednisone or other immunosuppressants, should you stop? in order to have a greater resistance to the disease. And he said, don't stop. If you're concerned about it, speak with your physician, which is advice that we give on the news all the time. It seems like just about anything. Um, but he said, you should discuss the pros and cons with your physician. But if you just suddenly wake up and said, oh, I'm not going to take my prednisone anymore, well, all of, all of a sudden you could have a withdrawal from prednisone that could be way worse than maybe what might happen uh, from your, uh, you know, from the possibility of getting COVID-19. Uh, and then also you could have a flare. And if you get a flare, last time I had one, I wound up in the hospital for three days. Um, and where's the last place you want to be right now? In the hospital. Where's the last place there's any room for you right now? Well, if we're to believe to what we're being told, and the fact that they're setting up all these remote hospitals and tents and parking lots and tennis courts, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is try to put another, uh, try to fit yourself into a, a hospital where there may or may not even be space for you. So um, we're kind of walking a tightrope here as SARC patients. And I think that's that's important to remember. So don't just up and stop your medicine because you think it may give you greater immunity from uh, COVID-19. Um, I would I, I don't I don't want to give anybody an advice, but I can just tell you what I'm doing, which is I'm just being as careful as I possibly can be. Um, and if everybody else is is being careful than, uh, than I want to be, you know, some version of super careful. Uh, I'm wiping everything down all the time. I'm washing my hands. Every time I walk past the sink, I'm keeping my distance from my coworkers and, uh, and basically even my family members, my wife and I are empty nesters and, and we live alone. And, um, you know, we're still, uh, we're still, uh, spending time together, but, um, where we certainly are not seeing our grandkids by and large we did do uh, some walking on the greenway with our uh, granddaughter over the weekend and i'm even rethinking whether that was smart but man it really was good to get to to be with a, with a everybody even though we were we were pretty much keeping our distance um I did get to hold her for a minute, and, uh, and I actually feel really guilty about that. Not because she might have given me the disease, but the last thing I want to do is, is spread COVID nineteen. Um, but I'm I'm digressing. So um, that is uh, that's the latest from Dr. Peter Sporn, and I just I just think that you know he really had some good advice. And again, there's a link in the show notes. Now the coronavirus will come and it will get worse but eventually it will go away at least for this year looks like it may come back like the flu year after year but I don't know how in the future we'll react to it I can't imagine us as a as a world society continuing to shelter in place uh every single year when this thing comes around uh, and they're working on vaccines and that type of thing. But as far as we know sarcoidosis is here to stay. There's still no cure for sarcoidosis and we want to keep on fighting it and one of the people who really inspired me is Chasta Posey. Again, I interviewed her in late February at a meeting outside Washington, D.C. of advocates for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And she is young. She's upbeat. Uh, I don't know how she does it, I'll be honest with you. Uh, But she was more than willing to tell her story and share her story. And she is there for all of you as an advocate who are fighting this disease. And that interview is coming up in 30 seconds. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is the nation's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to finding the cure for this disease and to improving care for sarcoidosis patients worldwide. Since its establishment in 2000, FSR has fostered over $5 million in sarcoidosis-specific research efforts and has provided disease education and support for thousands of individuals navigating life with sarcoidosis. Learn more about FSR and how they're supporting those impacted by this disease at www.stopsarcoidosis.org. Welcome to the Sark Fighter podcast. Today I am talking with Chasta, Who is also an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, and she is a SARC fighter. She is also an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research and uh, has the distinction of being the youngest or one of the younger people uh, who has sarcoidosis and is willing to talk about it and to help all of us fight the disease. So, Chasta. Tell us your sarcoidosis story.
1: Okay. Um, well, thank you for having me. Um, I was diagnosed this past January was exactly 15 years. So um, I'm, I told the crew yesterday that I'm gearing up to be an advocate longer than I've almost been alive. So uh, I was diagnosed at the age of 18, right before my 19th birthday. Um, I was sitting in my... English honors class and I got lightheaded and dizzy and I passed out. We didn't know what happened, um, why it was the way it was. Went to the doctor and found out I was anemic. Blood count was extremely low for an 18-year-old and the doctors were extremely confused because I had been healthy. I was an athlete. I was a scholar. I was active and the doctors were confused. So when they did the blood work that was like They were like, we don't know where the blood is going. Um, Everything female-wise was normal. Everything health-wise was fine. Uh, They did a biopsy on just about every part of my body that they could. And I'm the unique one because my doctor said that when he did the kidney biopsy and they found the sarcoidosis in my kidneys, he was puzzled. Because at the time, in 2005, the only thing they knew with sarcoidosis was lung involvement. So I knew then I was in for a journey because when you find it in your kidneys, it's just like, wow, it's, you're finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? you know, it was they were confused. So went through a lot of stuff. Uh, my senior year of high school didn't think that I would be able to leave and go to college or any of that stuff. At the last minute, we decided, OK, I'm going to continue to live my life. Um, and we'll make the necessary adjustments.
0: So are you on medication, medication at I this was, time, prednisone?
1: Or? I was, um, <clears throat> when they found the Sark, um, they found it, <clears throat> the timeline happened. I, I ended up graduating high school in um, 2004. Um, I went off to college. I came home for Thanksgiving break from college in 2004. Um, they did the biopsy then. Um, and I got the results back when I came back home from Christmas. So when I was supposed to go back to school in January, the doctor was like, no, you can't leave. That's when they found it in 2005.
0: And that, that was in your kidneys?
1: That was in my kidneys.
0: Okay. And where were you in college?
1: I was at South Carolina State University.
0: Okay. So um, at that point, how were you feeling on a day-to-day basis?
1: It was a struggle because um, you have to remember I was in college having to walk around campus. Exhausted and tired because at that time I didn't have a diagnosis. The only thing we knew is that I was anemic, and you know when you're anemic, you're chronic fatigue.
0: Sure, sure.
1: So having you know the hemi on medicine, I was on B twelve, I was on different vitamins and calcium, and you know trying to keep my blood iron pills trying to keep my blood levels up were you in
0: pain no Uh, I wasn't in pain so like you didn't reach down by your lower back and say oh it's my kidneys
1: yeah no I didn't um, well they were actually thinking you know you know it was going to be a blood disorder because the uh, anemia was aggressive Mm -hmm. it was extremely aggressive and when they ruled that out um, because I think something with the white and red blood cells didn't really add up and then it kind of flipped And Mm -hmm. so when they did the bone marrow biopsy, those numbers were a little off, but it wasn't enough to diagnose me with anything. So
0: they're just saying, hmm, something's going on with this girl, but we don't know what it is. Right. So, So, So then they find it in your kidneys.
1: And so the reason why they did the biopsy with the kidneys was because there was a lot of protein in my urine. Okay. And so that's when my doctor was like, you know what? we need to biopsy your kidneys to see what is actually going on. Right. So he did the biopsy Thanksgiving 2004. Christmas 2004, came home, and I'm just like, you know, I'm extremely tired. Had a routine doctor's appointment. He said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get the results back as quick as possible because he sent more than just the kidney biopsy off to get cultured and everything like that. So when he got everything back, it was right after New Year's, he called me and he said, "Hey, I think I have something. I'm going to send you over some information." He sent me over the information for kidney disease, um, all this other stuff to try to put me on dialysis. And I, I looked at him and I told him, "I said, I'm 18 years old. That dialysis is not going to work for me. Uh-huh. I, I it had made up in my mind. I'm not doing dialysis. Right. And to this day, I have never done dialysis."
0: All right, so let's, let's fast forward a little bit. We okay. figured out that you've got something in your kidneys. At some point, they said, that's sarcoidosis. Did you have to go to a new doctor, or did that doctor figure out what it was? Because, you know, back then...
1: Right, I, so the fortunate thing for me is that my nephrologist was just a kidney doctor. He was somewhat educated in what sarcoidosis was, so we kind of were learning together the things that he knew, he relayed those things to me. He sent over information. He said, I need you you and your family to read this. This is what this disease is. This is how we're going to try to manage it. Immediately, he put me on prednisone. Immediately. And I was on 60 grams of prednisone a day. Yep. I know for, oh,
0: Did I you gain gained, some weight? Oh,
1: I gained almost 150
0: pounds. Wow, because you're a skinny little a thing person. sitting right yes. here today. Yeah, you gained a whole person. I
1: gained a whole person.
0: Wow. And then, uh, so, you, all right, so then did it, it progress through your body even beyond the kidneys?
1: Even beyond the kidneys. Um, I have it everywhere, just about. The only place I don't have it is in my heart. Um, I don't have Neurosarc, and I don't have it in my liver. Everything else, it was free game.
0: Now, I know uh, the, the listeners can't tell, but you've got, are you blind in one eye?
1: I am. I am classified as legally blind. Um, I am completely blind in my right eye. Um, and with my glasses, I have 2040 vision in my left eye. Um,
0: and and that, that's sarcoidosis. That is
1: completely sarcoidosis.
0: What happened? How did that How did that it, come on? When you were 18, you had vision in both eyes.
1: Oh, yeah. When I was 18, I had vision in both eyes. So my sarc was extremely aggressive. So, from 2005 until 2008, maybe, Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff happened.
0: Even though you were taking prednisone?
1: I honestly believe a lot of my problems came because I was taking prednisone. Really? I honestly believe that. You can't (laughs) tell me otherwise because now I'm not taking it and everything seems to be stable. I'm in remission now, you know, and I'm living a healthier life.
0: Do you take anything, methotrexate or anything? The only thing I
1: take now is Remicade. Remicade. I do the infliximab treatments every six weeks.
0: Okay, you get the IV?
1: Yes, I get the IV.
0: Yeah, I've been through that. Yes. I know that one. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so it, tell me how the sarcoidosis spread through your body and what that was feeling like after the kidney diagnosis, going up to the eye and so forth.
1: It felt like death. I honestly felt like I was dying slowly. Um, I just... I. I, we, my doctors don't know how it moved so quickly. And when it moved quickly, it moved aggressively. Um, it moved to my bones, joints, and muscles, and they diagnosed me with Guillain-Barré syndrome. And that means I was paralyzed for a while. Um, they also told me that the Guillain-Barré syndrome would probably never leave my body, I would have side effects from it for the rest of my life. Uh, I had to learn how to walk all over again. I had to learn occupational skills all over again, physical therapy all over again. Like, I had to learn how to do everything for myself again.
0: And you were an athlete.
1: I was an athlete. I ran track. I played basketball. I was a cheerleader. Um, I was in the color guard and on the band. Yeah.
0: So then Sark just took all that away from you? It
1: took every bit of it. it. The struggle of walking up a flight of stairs, makes me cry sometimes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It makes me cry sometimes. Wow. Even now? Even now. Yeah.
0: So it's still a struggle?
1: It's still a struggle. Even though you're you're in remission. Even though I'm in remission, um, I am a lung patient as well, pulmonary, SARC, and a lot of the issues that I have are long-lasting. I have so much scar tissue on my lungs to where I have to sleep with oxygen. Um, I have to carry oxygen with me on a daily basis so being 20 21 22 having to carry oxygen around I was very much so stereotyped Mm -hmm. because people would think oh she used to smoke I've never smoked a day in my life
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you cannot you will never ever test me for cigarette smoke ever in life (laughs) right i've never been a smoker right so you know for people to stereotype me and say you know at the age of 20 21 that's depressing and that's you know that takes a hit at your confidence and your self-esteem oh well she smoked so that's why she's on oxygen
0: we'll be back with more of tassa's story right after this from the foundation for sarcoidosis research hi i hope you're enjoying the sarc fighter podcast you may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Fighter podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fighter podcast. We're talking today with Chasta who uh, has had an incredible journey with sarcoidosis started in her kidneys and, and worked its way quickly through her body and one of the things uh, that she's had to deal with is blindness in one eye just to tell tell the listeners how it sort of crept into your right eye
1: sarcoidosis was extremely aggressive and with it being as aggressive as it was, it decided to attack different areas of my body. That's one of the things, one of the symptoms of sarcoidosis. It can move and attack any part of your body, whether it be an organ, a bone, a muscle, a joint, down to the hair on your head. And it decided that it wanted to move a little bit. (laughs) It traveled Uh and it started traveling, traveling upward. And it went straight to my eyes. So both eyes were affected at one point. Okay. But with me going to see Dr. Glenn Jaffe at Duke University Eye Center, he was able to save my left eye. And we're in the process of about, you know, getting ready to start working on the right eye to see if there's anything that can be done to at least regain some vision.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: I am able to see light perception. Really? But that's about it.
0: Because, you know, to look at you, the, your eyes are significantly Absolutely. different. And I tell
1: people I have a Chinese eye
0: because well so they think they might be able to get some of that vision they
1: think they can Mm -hmm. um anything is possible and now with the new technology that's going on now you know there's you there there are endless possibilities Mm -hmm. so you know there uh, was a bionic trial a bionic eye trial at one point and everything like that and i didn't sign off on it when it first came about I didn't have a lot of education on it, a lot of knowledge or anything like that. So we may revisit that. Who knows?
0: Wow. The bionic eye. Mm-hmm. Really? Absolutely. You're very upbeat about that.
1: I am. <laughs> I am. I. You know, everything is not for everybody. You do your research. You gain knowledge on everything. And if it's something that you think you will want to do, do it. If not, leave it and leave it to, for the next person.
0: Right. So how have you coped with everything you've lost because of sarcoidosis?
1: Um, Coping is a journey, and it's a journey that, you know, you have to make the best of. Happiness is not a destination, it's a journey, and I'm going to replace happiness with coping. It's not a destination, it's a journey. Things are going to happen to you throughout the course of life, that are gonna be thrown at you, that are gonna make you down for a moment. You have to find ways to deal with that and get your spirits back up, protect your energy.
0: But you went through the whole why me phase. I did. How did you break out of that?
1: I reverted from the why me to why not me. Explain. Things are going to happen to everybody. Uh-huh. And the why me phase is, to me, what I consider a pity party why not me if i can bring awareness to something if i can be a a billboard for something the same way you are with the job you know with this podcast why why you why were you chosen to be as well as you are to do a podcast well why not you you have an amazing story to tell so why not tell the masses same thing with me why not me
0: mm-hmm. well that's that's admirable i got to tell you yeah. uh, to have it Uh, I I feel like my case is uh, insignificant compared to what you've had to deal with,
1: Everybody's journey is different. And with the snowflake being one of the symbols that we use for sarcoidosis, there's not one snowflake on the face of this earth that is the same. Mm -hmm. The same way with sarcoidosis. Nobody's case is the same. Everybody's Mm -hmm. case is different. Everybody's Mm -hmm. journey is different. It's all about how you choose to walk in it. I choose to be celebratory with my journey. I celebrate every milestone. Yeah, the bad news is going to come. Mm-hmm. The trials are going to come. The tribulations are going to come. But why does it have to be negative all the time? Mm-hmm. Something you, you have to you can't continue to allow the negative things to bring you down. That means you're not going to have an update in your entire life. No. Live your diagnosis is not your final destination.
0: Wow. So you're OK with not cheerleading, not Playing basketball, not...
1: I'm perfectly fine with those things now, because I give that energy to other things.
0: Yeah, so what do you do as an advocate? How do you how do you help spread the word? How do you help other sarcoidosis oh, patients?
1: <laughs> I've done so much um, before, even before I joined the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I was doing activities, fundraisers. Um, I was probably the loudest one in the room. I wear purple every day. I don't think there's anything on my body from day to day that's not purple, whether it be a bracelet, some earrings, <clears throat> some lipstick, a shirt, some socks. I wear something purple on my body every day. And that's another way I, I bring awareness. Because if you see me two or three times a week, why do you always have on purple? Hmm, thank you for asking. And that's <laughs> let one, me tell you. Let me right? tell you why I wear purple. So purple has been become my adopted color. My favorite color growing up was blue. But now it's changed. I still love blue. Don't get me wrong. But now I am a lover of all things purple.
0: That's amazing. Um, so uh, if somebody needs help with their sarcoidosis journey, and they're in the upstate of South Carolina. Are you there to help them?
1: I am here to help anybody from Timbuktu to the mountaintop to the valley low.
0: Uh huh.
1: So, not just, not just Greenville, South Carolina, the whole state of South Carolina, the nation, and the world.
0: Okay. How do people get in touch with you?
1: I am on all forms of social media. You can find me on um, Facebook at Chastas Fight, C H A S T A, apostrophe S, Chastas Fight. You can find me on Twitter, the same way, Chasta's Fight. You can find me on Instagram at Chasta underscore LaFaith, L A F A
0: I T H. All right. And uh, we'll put all that in the show notes. Absolutely. As well. Uh, and I appreciate your time on the Sark Fighter podcast. Well, thank
1: you for having me. I appreciate it
0: so thanks to chasta again for sharing her sarcoidosis story remember our april is sarcoidosis awareness awareness month feels like the uh, sarcoidosis voice is being drowned out by our immediate concerns with covid19 that's sort of a shame but remember uh, sarcoidosis is going to continue to be an issue after COVID-19 runs its course and comes and goes. But as SARC patients, we need to be especially careful during this time. Keep an eye on the Sarcoidosis Facebook page. I'll post updates that I find about sarcoidosis and COVID-19. You might want to check out the, the Sarc Fighter Instagram account. There's the word the in front of the word Sark fighter, all one word. And remember, every week in April, in celebration of Sark Awareness Month, there will be a new Sark story, an interview with a patient who is willing to share their share their story about sarcoidosis. In the meantime, wash your hands, stay away from people, and we'll get through this together. Till next time, keep fighting.